For the prayer of illumination, what I would like to do is something a little different. Um, when we were at General Assembly, um, we were at Cherry Creek Presbyterian Church, another creek, um, and um, instead of a prayer being prayed with words, they sing their uh, prayer of illumination, and it's, uh, the name of it is Show Us Christ, and it's by Sovereign Grace. So I will not sing it for you. They, they actually have, we actually had music for it, which was kind of nice because I like to read the notes rather than just something up on a screen. But I would like to read the words as our prayer of dedication because I think they were very, very good. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, prepare our hearts, O God. Help us to receive. Break the hard and stony ground. Help our unbelief. Place your word down deep in us. Cause it to bear fruit. Open up our ears to hear. Lead us in your truth. Show us Christ. Show us Christ. O God, reveal your glory through the preaching of your word until every heart confesses Christ is Lord. Through Jesus' name, amen. Now we welcome you, Dennis. <laughs> I welcome you very much. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you. Good morning. Kind of a hectic morning, but it's a beautiful morning. It's good to be back. This place always feels like home to me. So, a couple of years ago, a few years ago by now, um, we had a water problem out at the farm. We had some water in the basement. Boy, I hope I brought my sermon. There it is there. <laughs> I was going to make something up as I went. I didn't know. We had a water problem out at the farm down the basement, and my mother-in-law's sewing room was flooded, and she had this old desk there. Well, my, uh, when my nieces, they were still in high school, they were helping mom all clean it out, you know how they do, and they found these old, obviously, old letters that Papa had written to Mama during World War II when he was serving in, in Europe in a, uh, a tank battalion. And the girls were fascinated in reading these gushy, romantic, lovey-dovey letters from their pawpaw. And they were just fascinated by it. And of course, they confronted pawpaw, and of course, he denied it. He didn't deny writing them, but he said he was ordered to do that by his superior officer. Uh, so today we're going to go to a passage of scripture, a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And it's kind of a unique letter. Most of Paul's letters are written to um, churches that he founded, churches that he knew, churches that he'd struggled with and taught. But this church is, is not, wasn't founded by Paul. Paul's in prison in Rome. One of his students named Epaphras has gone back home to Colossae and founded a church. And now, after a number of years, Epaphras has come back to kind of brag on his church to Paul in prison. And so Paul decides to write the church a little letter. 
And just like Paul Paul's writing, it's got a lot of gushy stuff in it. Let's look at it today. First, uh, first uh, Col- I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 1. If you want to turn there in your Bible today. I'm reading out the New American Standard. In this letter, or this passage that we'll read today, Paul's going to give the church two wonderful gifts. Wonderful gifts. Verse 1. He starts out, as Paul always starts out his letters, in those days you didn't wait to the end to sign it, you put it at the top who it was from. That's what he does. Paul describes himself a bit, an apostle that is a special messenger of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And he's got a traveling companion, another missionary, Timothy, our brother. That's who it's from. Who's it to? To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. In those days it was called Phrygia. The country was called Phrygia. We call it Turkey today. People who are in Colossae, grace to you, a typical Pauline introduction, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And then he starts gushing this stuff. Okay? I don't think Paul would deny it later. He loved to do this kind of thing. He's reacting, he's reacting from some information from Epaphras about this church. Epaphras has come back bragging a little bit. Paul's response is this. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. That doesn't mean he did it 24 hours a day. It means, it means every time they had a time of prayer. The church in Colossae came up. Why is he praying? Look at verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Now Paul's going to start talking about the gospel. He's talked about them a bit, that what what he really is responding to, he's heard that they've got a lot of faith. And they have a lot of love for other Christians. He's excited about that. Then he kind of gets sidetracked and he talks a little bit about the gospel. Verse 5 again, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, and here he talks about the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also, it's constantly bearing fruit, increasing, even it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. Paul's excited because these people are being transformed by the Word of God. Our Baptist friends would, be, would say they're being sanctified. They're being uh, taken from the time of their salvation, and the rest of the time we're being sanctified, we're being molded and shaped into the image of Christ. And Paul says, oh, the Word of God is doing that in you, and he's excited about that. And then he mentions Epaphras, verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bond servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. He's in Rome with Paul at this point. Paul is writing, uh, he's going to be there, he was there for two years in Rome. He wrote uh, Philippians, uh, Colossians, and Ephesians, I believe. Verse 8, he also informed us, talking about Epaphras, 
He also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So, he gives you a, a picture here of what the church looks like. That's what Epaphras has been bragging a little bit about. Look at his response in verse 9. For this reason, for this reason also, because of all that, all those characteristics of that church, since the day we heard of that, we've not ceased to pray for you. We've not ceased to pray for you. Anybody ever come up to you and say, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Paul's going to tell these people exactly how he's praying for them. Listen to what he says. We've not ceased to pray to, for you and ask, first of all, that you may be filled, this is his primary petition, filled with the knowledge of his will. First thing, I want you to know God's will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that's talking about a knowledge of God. And it doesn't mean, well, I kind of know who God is. It's a deep understanding knowledge of God. Why does Paul want that to happen? Verse 10. So that you will walk in a manner worthy, the word means appropriate, of the Lord. Appropriate for people who say they believe in Christ. There is that Christ-likeness. Remember in the early, in Sunday school, we're doing the book of Acts, and there's a, a moment where two of the disciples are on trial, and it says that the people looked at them and listened to them, and they saw Christ in them, that these guys have been with Christ. There's that Christ-likeness, okay? So that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. Here's something else He's praying, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We're never done learning about God. Verse 12, or 11, strengthened, that they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. If there's anybody that knows about steadfastness and patience, it's the Apostle Paul. How many times we were reading about his life, again, we're studying it in the book of Acts, and we'd say, boy, if that was me, I'd gone home. Stoned, Shipwrecked twice, beaten, jailed. He was steadfast. He said, in steadfastness and patience. And then he said that there would be, he's praying that there would be joy, thankful joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, that is made sufficient, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul gives the gift of two, two gifts to the church. Let's apply this. First of all, he gives a standard. I think we would agree that the Apostle Paul is, is so close to God. He understands God. He depends on God. He's motivated and moved and guided by God. That if, if you've got a church that's pleasing to the Apostle Paul, it's probably pleasing to God. So God, uh, Paul's given a, a standard here. Listen to how he describes that church. He's excited about this church. What's that church look like? First of all, there are people of faith. Paul said, we heard about your faith. Whoo! How many times had Paul heard about some church's faith? But he said, man, I heard about your faith, and I pray for you every time. 
What's he talking about? Faith. It's easy to be faithful. It's easy to believe when you're on top of the mountain. Everything's going great. Easy to do that. But you know how much faith you have when you go through the valley. And you go through the tough stuff. I've always said you don't learn anything on the peak. It's all down here. It's in the valley. And you hold on to God. In the days you don't understand him, you hold on to God. In the days that he doesn't make sense, you hold on to God. In the days where he's, he just doesn't seem to be there, you still hold on to your faith. Faith is what you don't see but believe in. So first of all, the church that pleases God and pleases the Apostle Paul is a church that's full of people, not perfect people, but people that stumble, but people that at the end of the day, no matter what they go through, they're going to hold on to God. They're going to trust in His sovereignty, trust in His grace, trust that He will not put us through something that we can't handle at the end. The standard, people of faith. Secondly, people that love other Christians. Doesn't mean you agree with them. Phew. Doesn't mean that you agree with everybody. Doesn't mean that nobody ever butts heads in a church. Doesn't mean that. But it's kind of like a family. At the end of the day, you got them and they got you. I remember my sister's daughter when she was a little bitty. I probably told this story back when. She had a little brother, mean, just mean, just mean boy. Okay? And she'd rough him up, she'd push him down, she'd hit him, she'd spit on him, she'd hit him. But if you tried to correct that little boy, she'd come up to you and you'd say, she'd say, don't you bother my brother. She had his back. See, that's love, end of the day. A church that, God, that is pleasing to God is a, is a church that loves each other, that realizes, hey, we may not always agree, but we're a family. And we take care of each other, we respect each other, we encourage each other. And I guess the greatest word is nurture. We nurture each other. It's just what we do. And I always use this example, and I probably used it when I was here. Uh, at the Palmar Church years ago, there was a, a gal that was sitting down here, and she was pouring out her heart during prayer time, and she started weeping. And one of our members got up from over here and walked over and sat down next to her and hugged her tight. Why? Because she's family. She's family. I could have gone without preaching that day because that was the sermon right there. See, That's what family does. So first of all, a people of faith. Secondly, a people of love for other believers. And third, what's Paul excited about with this church? Colossae. He's excited because the Word of God is not just being memorized and it's not just being taught, it's being lived. It's getting inside. It's getting into their pores and it is they're reacting to it, they're being motivated by it, they're being led by it, they're being influenced by it and it is, doggone it, it's changing their lives. It's changing who they are. They're starting to look like Christ. Wow. How does the word do that? Well, first you got to know it. You got to read it. You got to study it. You got to understand it. And mainly you got to apply it. You got to see how that works in my life and try it and try it and try it. 
and there's that sanctification process. People of the book. So you're people of faith, people of love, people of the book. That's the standard that Paul gives for the church. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful gift to the church. Second thing he does, second thing he does, he gives a prayer to the church. Look at verse 9 again. Here's the prayer. A gift to the church. I told the, uh, the Palmar church that's in a big transition, you know, they're looking for a pastor. They need to be praying for each other. They need to be praying for the uh, leadership, deacons, elders, all of them, congregation as a whole. And if they're wondering how they should pray, here's the gift that Paul gave this morning. It's a beautiful picture here of how you can pray for the church. Just use his prayer. He's praying for this church that he loved in Colossae, that God loved. What's it sound like when it's prayed for a congregation? Listen to this. Father, I ask that Big Creek Church would be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they would walk in a manner worthy of you to please you in all respects bearing fruit in every good work that they would increase in the knowledge of God that they would be strengthened with all power according to your might that they would attain a steadfastness and a patience that they would joyously give thanks to you for qualifying them through the blood of Christ to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. That's how you pray for a church. That's Paul's gift to the church. Yeah. That's Paul's gift to the church. And it works individually too. Works individually. I'll pick out an elder here. Is Jim an elder? Are you an elder? Susan's an elder. Here's how you pray for it individually. Listen to this. I'm going to give you an assignment. You're going to have to know this, so watch this now. Verse 9. If I was going to pray for one of the elders of the church, that's your responsibility. You're supposed to be nurturing these folks, loving these folks, encouraging these folks. Okay? Here's how I'd do it. Just use that prayer. Father, I ask that you would fill Susan with the knowledge of your will for her life, for this church, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that she would walk in a manner worthy of you, to please you in all respects, that you would, she would continue to bear fruit in every good work, that she would increase in her knowledge of you. Lord, strengthen her with all power according to your glorious might, that she would attain a steadfastness in this place and a patience in this place, joyously giving thanks to you, for you have qualified her by the blood of Christ to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Works both ways. Very simple to do. We have no excuse of saying, I, you know, I need to pray for these folks, but I don't know what to pray. Use Paul's prayer. 
Use his gift to the church. Anybody ever ask me, how can I pray for me? I said, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Go for it. You can't miss with that. We all need to know God's will. We need to be filled with the knowledge of his will, empowered and able to be his followers. It's a tough life. Christianity is a tough life. It's not easy. There are tough days. So your challenge this week is to pick one person in this church, leader or maybe not a leader, that you're going to pray that prayer for this week. That's your challenge. And you, it's, it's simple. All you've got to do is have that prayer right in front of you. Just fill in the, the name. And then make it a corporate prayer for the church. Fill in the, the church in that prayer and just pray for it sincerely. I'm not saying just read it, but sincerely pray that to God. Paul has given that gift, the standard, who we're, what we're supposed to look like, and also the prayer. One of the ways we can get there today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today. So powerful. So eye-opening. So challenging. Lord, so many times we don't know how to pray. We know people are hurting. People are needing things, help, nurture. But we struggle with the words so often distracted by our world. Lord, we thank you for this prayer that we can use to pray and nurture each other and to pray and nurture this body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for who you are in our lives today. We thank you for your presence here this day with us. And Lord, we pray that we would have a faith that would please you, a love that would please you, and that the word of God would be molding and shaping and influence our lives and our world. We pray this in the name of our Christ and all God's people said, amen.